In today's episode, we're talking with one of the rising stars in college athletics about the future of the athletics department, culture, and innovation. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have guided them to success throughout their career? And then we take all those insights and we apply them to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, right now, we are on a run interviewing and meeting with senior leaders in college athletics, because at Engagement, we spend a lot of time with college athletic departments, helping them with everything from culture, service, innovation, revenue generation. So we are highlighting some of the best and brightest leaders that we've come across in our time, and we want to have them on the show. One of those today is Brian Blair. Brian is the Deputy Director of Athletics and the Chief Operating Officer at Washington State. Now, he is part of this kind of younger crew, if you will, he's in his mid-30s, of leaders across the industry that are really looking towards the future of college athletics and helping to move the industry forward into the next era of whatever the heck that thing looks like. And that is what Brian is going to talk to us a little bit about today. Uh, We're going to get into some of his views around what that college athletics department 2.0 might look like. We're going to talk about culture and balancing a coach's culture versus an athletic department's culture. We're going to talk a little bit about hiring. We kind of go all over the place in this episode, but you guys are going to get a peek into one of the brightest minds in college athletics. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into this episode with my friend, Brian Blair. Brian, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That uh, that what's going on question is a little bit of a loaded one, (laughs) Um, but I appreciate you having me on the show. It is. And I, we are so grateful that uh, amidst everything you guys have going on right now, you were able to carve out some time to, to spend with us and, and share your wisdom and insight from your years in, in sports and entertainment and college athletics. So we're lucky to have you here. Absolutely. Um, well, let's jump in. Uh, obviously, you guys have some some coaching changes going on, uh, and that's been in the headlines re- recently. I don't want to get into that topic specifically, but one thing that I've always thought about is at Engagement, we do a lot of culture work. And in that culture work, a lot of what we talk about is we, we try to help athletic departments really think about hiring for attitude and not necessarily for aptitude. But coaches are in this weird mix where it's like, you got to hire a winning coach. That's, yep. part of the, that's part of the measure, right? That performance is a huge thing. And sometimes they kind of run their own show within the department. So I'm, I'm curious to you, you, you've been a part of a number of coaching hires. How do you think about balancing attitude versus aptitude, performance versus culture when it comes to head coaches? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, I think my, my hope is that you're not having to pick one of the other, right? That you, you have to pick, hey, this coach is an X is an O's um, or knows how to coach, but they don't have the culture piece or the right attitude, the right um, fit from that end or vice versa, right? The, the hope is you get both. Sometimes that may feel a little bit like a unicorn, that unicorn, um, but the hope is you get both. We, we've hired a number of head coaches here at Washington State. I can say every single one of them, we tried to identify what we need first before going out to market. And I think that's really important because I think once you go out and you just start getting this flood of emails from agents and people interested in the job and X, Y, and Z, 
you can get distracted by the shiny thing, right? This person worked at this great brand or this person was part of this great one season at a certain place rather than here's what we need in Washington state or what we feel like we need in this person to be successful. And I'd say that's a mix of culture um, and X's and O's or, or the leadership skills. Um, I think about our baseball coach, Brian Green. And so one of the things we've thought a lot about for head coaches here is we could find a sit head coach um, or somebody that's been a head coach before. We feel like that's a really strong indicator for future success if they've had success in the past um, under the right circumstances. So Brian was a former head coach at New Mexico State um, in baseball, and then he was an assistant at Kentucky and UCLA and Hawaii and a number of places before that. So he had West Coast experience. He was a sitting head coach. He had Power 5 experience, and he went at a place that maybe had some some resource challenges or location challenges um, and proximity to talent. But when you talk to him, his big thing is culture. He led with that. Mm-hmm. Talk about the culture that he wanted to define and what he wanted to do. He actually sets aside time at the start of the season where they'd actually don't practice baseball and they just focus on culture for a full week. Um, and that's all they talk about really? is what leader they want to be, um, how the team should gel together and come together, really breaking down barriers um, and getting to know each other. I um, mean, he starts that in the fall um, and then they build from there and discuss baseball. So he talked about that piece and we're saying, wow, this guy's really strong on this culture piece. And sometimes in interviews, People tell you what the, you may want to hear. And so you're always cognizant of that. But I'll be doggone if he didn't follow through that with 100%. Everything he said in that interview came to, to play. So he set aside time. He brought in the outside group. They met in our gymnasium here. And it was almost this 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 mm-hmm. couple days filled with just getting to know each other, not talking at all about baseball or picking up a bat or throwing a ball. And so I love that. he's got that piece of it. And then he's a guy that, talk to us about how he can teach hitting and how that could help you overcome. If you have recruiting challenges, that ability to recruit, um, big athletes that you can teach how to hit and that are interested in playing baseball and have the right culture and the right mindset and putting those things together. So that's a little bit, when you talk about the, your coaching talent or acumen versus the culture piece, you like to find those people that can bring both those together and make them balance each other. How much, how much of it is, so obviously that example that you get, that you just used, I think he had his own version of his own vision of what he wanted culture for his team to look like. When you're thinking about coaches, how much of that culture aspect is about having them fit in with the broader Washington state athletics culture versus we think he's going to run his own culture. That's going to be, it's going to be really strong, but it's his own thing. How much of those gel do they, some of what he's talking about come in and influence the Washington state athletics department proper culture. How, how does that balance work? Or are they two separate cultures almost? No, I, I think they have to fit in. I, there can't be drastically different versions of the same culture, in my opinion, um, because the leader that, that's leading that baseball culture is a member of our athletic department. Those student athletes are a member of our student athlete um, population, their athletic department. So one is drastically different, uh, different than the other. I'm not sure either one can be successful, the department and or the baseball team. Um, so they have to fit together. So a lot of what we talk about when we say, okay, this is what we want to go out and look for. We want that person too, that fits into the culture of Washington state. Um, and that person's a hard worker they've got an intense passion, the integrity, they've got to have resiliency and grit. Um, but they also don't sacrifice what they want to get and that excellence piece. So we've got our core values. We, we've got them on everybody's desk. Um, then every office, every mouse pad everywhere. Um, and we go back to those and we actually look at those when we're recruiting candidates for jobs here, um, that you've got to fit these five core values. Now, if your team's got an additional core value, if they've got their own set, but they build upon those, we're good to go. 
Um, if, if your core values for your team or your culture, you want to see for your team is drastically different than who we are as a department. I'm not sure that fits. Um, when people talk about fit all the time as a buzzword, um, but I, I think you truly have to fit within that car department culture. And I truly believe in Washington state, we have a very distinct fit. Um, and if you don't, you'll stick out like a sore thumb. It's interesting talking about fit too, because in my mind, like I hate the, I hate when people say, oh, it's gotta be cultural fit. Not that I'm, not that I'm bragging on you. I'm saying, I think sometimes when we think about cultural fit, it can be used in the wrong way where people mm -hmm. say, well, we're just going to hire people that do think like us and act like us and look like us because they fit with what we're doing. So to me, I'm like, how can they add value to our culture? And a lot of that has to be, they fit in and they've got some of the, or they've got some of the same principles that they operate on. Um, but to your point too, you said if they have an additional value that they want to add on to that, they can do that. And I love that aspect of saying, Hey, let's take what's already been established here at Washington state in the, in the strategic plan in unleash the, the great work that you guys have put there around values and say, maybe we add one more onto that or something. Uh, and that to me is adding value to culture, not just fit, not purely fitting. Yeah. I, I think the word fit there, I agree with you. It gets misused all the time. Um, I, I think there's some core attributes that you have to be successful at Washington state. I, I believe that hard work. I think you hard work can be coming different ways. Integrity can, can be different. I mean, it, these things that we, we say, Hey, you have to have these, but we also value diversity. And I don't mean diversity just in terms of gender or race, um, but really in terms of mindset and we want people to come in and make us better and challenge our thoughts. Uh, we hosted a conversation at all staff, I guess, two weeks ago now. And we talked about our core values and said, Hey, what's missing? What are we not thinking of? We've got a lot of new people in the department. What don't you agree with? What don't you see exemplified throughout the department? Mm. Challenges make us better. I think some of our coaches, some of the things they do with their student athletes, or how they lead. There's a lot of lessons for leaders throughout our department of how they lead their student athletes or the cultures they're building. So when I, when I say fit, I don't mean, Hey, everybody's got to look, talk and think like Brian Blair, because that'd be a sad athletic department. <laughs> I, I, I think you need people that, that bring new ideas and first perspectives and new ways yeah. of thinking to the table, but there's just certain non-negotiables. Um, that they've got to contain. And if we can bring those two together, I think that's where the magic happens. I love it. Well, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the core values that you guys have. I mean, it seems like they're really a, a strong part of the daily rhetoric and language that happens in the, in the offices and with the teams at Washington State. So maybe talk to us a little bit about how you guys continue to reinforce those core values, maybe how you measure how you're doing on those core values. Um, because I, I think a lot of times people will create a gorgeous strategic plan like you guys have, and they'll leave it on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. And, the, and the key is, how do you take the messages that you've put in there and reinforce those on a daily basis? And sometimes for us, from a culture perspective, that's where we see it lacking. And it seems like you guys do a better job, though, of reinforcing it. What, what are some of the strategies that you guys use that have been successful to make sure that those core values are coming to life every day? Yeah. I mean, I'd say our staff is probably sick and tired of hearing about our, our core values and our mission. That's statement good, though. That's good. Have. Yeah, I, I think that's what you want. I mean, to yeah. me, that that's part of the litmus test of whether you're doing a good enough job, constantly revisiting, constantly applying them and weaving them into every process, whether it be when you post a job description for a hire, when you evaluate staff, when you have your mouse pad on your desk and it's got um, the, the logos. I mean, all these things, you need to constantly beat them in people's head. The great thing about our core values, though, is we met early on the strategic planning process and asked people, said, hey, we're going to add out a note card during this 
this meeting. We had 200 people or however many employees. Um, I said, Hey, here's a note card, write on, write on this card. One word that says what being a coup means to you. What does it mean to be a part of Washington state athletics? Write that one word down. And so we collected all those note cards, everybody hand wrote them and turned them in as they left the office. And we were telling everybody, Hey, we're going to engage in a strategic planning process. It's kind of the first step. We collected all those. Um, and a young man I had working with me, Bennett Askew, he's not TCU. He compiled the list. Okay. Here's the top words that appear throughout. And everybody thinks I'm making this up. It ended up being the acronym pride. The only one that was even negotiable was resiliency. And there was mm. resiliency and grit and a lot of people pulled down and we chose resiliency because it made the acronym work. Uh, everything else yeah. verbatim was from those note cards. And so I say that Amazing. to say many of these things already existed in the department. Either they existed or people valued them at a high level said, Hey, this is what we want to be known for. This is what makes us special. Um, and so when we had that one, it's already on people's hearts. And I think that was a big piece of it. The people that work here, they know and live these. So you're not introducing something new. You're reinforcing something that should already exist as you have success or it represents the best of Washington state. Um, and so we took that and we've run with it and we've tried it again. We, we've got a lot of gadgets and gadgets where it's all over. When we do our employee of the month, we try to tie it to one of those core values. Um, when we have all staff meetings, we try to revisit one of the core tenets of the strategic plan. Um, when we do an annual retreat. We do a lot of other things that just for that the exact purpose you mentioned, because when we started, we said, this cannot be a shiny document that sits on the shelf. We re will revisit it on a regular basis. It's almost turned into a full-time job. Um, just that piece of it. And I've rolled yeah. young staff members in to assist me um, on those efforts. And seems like everyone I do, it gets a new job. So I, I, maybe I need to stop doing that. <laughs> um, but we've been but, doing that for four, four, almost four years now. And it, it is really interesting. I mean, there's so many directions we can go. Like, I want to know more about your recognition program, but I think that's something we, we probably offline on because we have so many questions to get to in, in a short amount of time here. Um, but the, the main thing that I heard from you was saying, Hey, when we came in, we didn't try to go in and reinvent the culture and force a new culture down everybody's throats. We said, let's capture what's great here and really just codify what everybody already knows in their head into a document that when new people come on board, we can say, this is what being an ideal cougar looks like. This is what we want to see out of you. And that codifying part of it is so, so, so important that a lot of people miss, but it seems like you guys have done a great job. Yeah. I mean, we walked into an athletic department that had a high level athletic success. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Leach was here. I think the year I first got here, we went 11 and two and was college game day and played in the Alabama Bowl and won that or topped it. Um, you had a volleyball program to make the Sweet 16 that year. You had a soccer program eventually make the College Cup. I mean, you've had sports at a high level producing, but you also had the death of Tyler Helinski. Um, You had some budget challenges where there was a hole that was dug to make some football investments. Um, so you, you had a, a department that I viewed as really high functioning from a lot of different ways. And a lot of it was the people in the department but you had some external challenges that you needed to fix. So we didn't need to come in and just revamp everything and blow all the walls yeah. out. Right. Um, it was just, okay, let's capture what's good and let's figure a plan to fix maybe what needs some help. I'm going to move forward that way. I love it. Yeah. And I think the way that you guys have moved forward and gotten to the point where it's so ingrained that people are joking about it and they almost get tired about it. That's a good thing. And I remember we did some work with University of Kentucky with Mitch Barnhart, Dwayne Peavy, Kevin Saul, back when all those guys were there on the leadership team. And we were working on customer service and culture. And we designed this overarching purpose statement with them that was really designed to say, 
yeah, you've got your task on game day, but ultimately, no matter what your role is, your purpose is to win the moment. I was talking about the individual interactions, winning the moment, uh, no matter what happens, kind of creating a positive moment, building the brand, every single interaction that you had with a fan or with an employee. And it got to the point where they were kind of all joking about it and they would reference it endearingly so often because you're saying, win the moment, win the moment. And that's when it gets stuck in people's minds. And they remember that when they're actually in the moment. So, well, but let's keep going. Uh, we've got a bunch of other things to cover here. I mean, you got to be the first department in the country that launched your strategic plan. They had cheerleaders throwing t-shirts and squeezy balls out to the crowd. We had the band that were front playing the fight song. Uh, we did giveaways throughout the announcement. Like we treated it like it was even bigger than our coach press releases. Um, then we just had so much energy. We had a media backdrop at the back. We did interviews of participants of people that came that day to kind of talk about it. I mean, it was borderline over the top. Um, but we celebrated a big way because it was important for Washington state. They hadn't done a strategic plan in the over 20 years before we got here. Um, so it, it was a first time for everybody involved. You had a new AD and some new administrators come to the table. And really it was a big team building opportunity. Say, so, hey, got a lot of staff that's been here for a long time. Got some of us like myself that just got here. We're trying to figure this thing out. Let's use this as an opportunity to really galvanize, come together and focus on one vision, one mission, one set of core values and move forward. So that we, we put a lot of energy into it. We went over the top, um, but I'm happy we did. And, and honestly, like that is such a good point that you make about it is we'll spend all the time in the world over communicating on something like moving to mobile tickets so that our fans don't miss a beat. But then internally, when we try something new with culture or behaviors, it's like we put out one email and expect everybody to get it. And it's like, if you really want to drive key behaviors home, you got to over communicate, whether that's on the fan side or the employee side. So but I want to, I want to transition topics a little bit while we talk, while we bring up fans. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got to call this out. So you, you guys are in Pullman. Certainly not the biggest market in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't want you to give me the sales pitch on Pullman. Uh, what I more so want is really how do you get creative with a lack of natural resources, right? Maybe donor base might be a little bit smaller. Location, not as star-studded as LA or some of the other locations in Pac-12. How, have you, how do you really approach getting creative with a lack of these gold star natural resources? Yeah, I, I think to me, Lord, I, I view myself as a lifelong underdog. Mm. Um, so that's why this place fits me because there's an underdog mentality that, that kind of permeates our entire athletic department, our student athletes. Our, our student athletes sometimes feel like, hey, I was overlooked by other Pac-12 schools. I come to Washington State and we got a bunch of underdogs together. We were fighting the big guys together. Um, I think there's something powerful um, in that emotion that comes from that. I mean, it fits me. And that's why I fit here in, in a lot of ways. I think when you talk about us and maybe some of the, the perceived disadvantages, I think there's a whole lot of value in being unique. Mm. College athletics is a really crowded mm -hmm. marketplace where in a lot of ways you take the logo off a place and they look very similar. There's public schools and major, I mean, look, some of the college are a lot of stuff. I mean, some of these schools take the, the name of the city off and I'm not going to go into what city's what, but you're, you're a major university in a major metro area. And the only difference between the two of you is one's in this state and one's in this state. Um, that you can't really tell me you're that different. And the student athlete there gets that different of an experience and those kind of things. So we try to champion that difference. I'm not going to focus on what we don't have and talk all the time. Okay. Well, you need 15 targets within a footprint. 
um, or you need major metrics, you need to go to concerts all the time or, or, oh, NIL's coming. What are we going to do? We don't have all these, um, all the glitz and glamour around us. The sky's falling. I don't buy into that. I buy into, okay, we're different. We're different for a purpose. Let's celebrate those differences. And so when I meet with recruits or young people, they come to town, um, Hey, if you need glitz and glamour, if you need LA or Seattle, great. There's schools in those, those yeah. places go for it. You want to be at a place where you can really focus on being the best possible athlete and the best student and be treated like a, a demigod when you have success around the small college town, then you want to spend your four or five years here. Great. And then you can always move back to that major metro. You get one time to go to college. So make that college experience special. But I think we've got a special student experience here. Um, so yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I think there, there's some misnomers. Um, we've got a long way to go in terms of fundraising, but we had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. I think the state of Washington, when you look at some of the wealth in this state, there's a lot of potential there. Um, both for people that attended Washington state, but also people just support higher ed or can get behind different ideas that we approach. So, um, the state of Washington is really diverse from a political standpoint, from a landscape standpoint, um, but it's, it's really, it's got a, a level of wealth, um, that's something to tap into. I think you got some sports fans, um, that are excited about it. So there's a ton of opportunity in being unique. Um, and we try to champion How about that. from a fan perspective? I know you guys have done some, some really interesting creative partnerships, like with HBO, uh, around 24 seven, I mean, trying to drive new fans to become Cougar fans. I mean, what are some of the, the creative sales that you guys have made knowing that again, you're not in a major market, but you still want to pull some of those fans, uh, to become Cougar fans. What are some of those kind of strategic approaches or creative approaches, gritty approaches, underdog approaches you guys have taken? Yeah. Well, when I first got here, I noticed pretty quickly, like you hear all these things about Mike Leach and who he is, or you get the sound bites of the press thing. Like I found that people were absolutely enamored by him mm. more so than I even realized. And like, no matter what he said, people would laugh. Like it didn't matter if he was being dead serious. It was, he was going to like, people just laughed and they loved it and they bought into it. And like, I, I remember Pat and I were talking like, there's something powerful in that. So how do we try to not make that phony, but how do we elevate Mike? And really put Mike out there. Like, if we're going to have this coach that says wacky things and does wacky things, like, at least let's own it. Um, and let's try to make it a deal. Um, so we tried to put him out there more when the the idea for the class came up and the insurgent warfare where he taught students. Uh, we tapped into every media person that we knew. Say, hey, we need to fly you into Pullman so you can sit through one of these classes. So every single class he did, we had a n- different national writer in the Amazing. room uh, to hear what was going on. We tried to video it and get it out on social. Social is a big part of our approach. Um, we did a Mike head mini, uh, bobblehead, but instead of just throwing something as a fan giveaway, we actually shot a series of commercials around the Tamplify ticket sales. And it was people asking Mike Leach random questions and Mike Leach giving an answer off topic, um, which is what he was known for in his press conferences. So really, again, if you got something unique, don't shy mm. away from it, amplify it, tell that story, and then you'll attract the right people that are interested in your uniqueness. Because again, we live in a copy and paste world where athletic departments more or less do what each other, the same thing. Um, let's try to be different. Let's try to be the first. Let's try to be something um, so we can stand out from the crowd. Preach. I mean, that is 100% what we constantly talk about. And and I, I think for me, what gets me, and I'm curious is your take on it, seeing it from Washington State, where you guys have really embraced being gritty, embraced being the underdog, embraced saying, let's be unique and lean into that. Some of the bigger, more traditional schools that you're talking about uh, and it's not just schools, it's pro teams too, some of the more traditional guys. Um, it feels like 
they think that their fan base expects tradition. And so because of tradition, they confuse it with, that means we can't try new things. That means we can't innovate. And that just completely blows my mind. Cause it's like, look, I know you might have an older fan base. They still think Mike Leach is funny too, right? Like le- yeah. lean into that. Um, so I guess from your perspective, how do you see that even for the, the big traditional guys? Obviously you guys have had to take that approach of if you're unique, let's lean into it. But what's, what's your thought on it from the big guys perspective? Is that safe kind of approach there that you would take? Yeah. You innovate or you die. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that Bob Iger read his book a couple of different times. Um, and I'm a really big fan, um, right of a lifetime. And he talks about that yeah. concept of, okay, we're Disney and we're his huge company. And everybody says, well, don't do this. Don't take this risk. Don't purchase this company. Don't do this. And he says, well, you know what the hell with that? I'm going to, I'm going to move forward and we're going to make this thing yeah. better. Um, and I, I think if you just stick and say, okay, we're going to do what we've always done. Um, you're not going to get what you always got. You're going to get less of it gradually. Um, and, and the, here's the thing, like if, if you champion everything that you do and hold tight to, well, we've got an older family. So I don't agree with that. I mean, at some point, those people's kids are going to become majority of your season ticket holders and not just them. Right. And they grew up with different expectations. They grew up in a society where I can microwave things and make it happen. I can personalize everything I do. When I watch TV, I don't have to watch it at a specific time because I've got it on demand. Like the demands of the consumer are changing. So if you as a brand are changing and keeping up with that or staying ahead of that, eventually you're going to fall behind. You may have short-term less risk. I mean, we can get into risk aversion due to the, uh, the, the terms of athletic directors these days. Cause I think that certainly does play yep. into it. Um, but I think you have to change, you have to morph, you have to constantly strive to get better. So if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. All right. We're going to go into this. I, I feel like we're, we're rocking here. It, it does. It does feel like there's an, an older generation of athletic directors that tends to be a little bit more risk averse. Um, but it does feel like there's a younger generation of guys and girls that are kind of rising up to the ranks. And hopefully it's at the right time where there's so much pressure on college athletics right now. And it, it does feel like there's a, a decent amount of people like you that are leading, leading the charge to say, let's innovate a little bit. Um, I, I'm curious as to kind of your take on where you see that future of athletics going, especially now with NIL coming into play. I mean, I'm, we're riffing here, but here's my take on it, right? Big push that I have with a lot of clients. I'm like, look, we got to start acting a little bit more like record labels, right? To a certain mm-hmm. extent. So when you think about what Mike uh, did for the brand and you guys got him to buy in and you're able to create different sound bites constantly, I think that's part of what we have to do now with our student athletes to say, hey, when you're coming to school here, how can we give you the, how can we empower you to build your brand and make the most of it? And that's going to elevate our brand as well. Um, what, I guess the question here is, I mean, from NIL and future of college athletics, I mean, where do you see it going? Do you think we'll, we'll take more risks or do you think we're just going to continue to stay stagnant until more things get forced upon us? Yeah, no, I, I think you have to take more risks. Um, and, and I'm, here's the thing, like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm mid thirties. Maybe when I'm, I'm a little bit older, I won't say those kind of things. I'll have more wisdom. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably too young and dumb right now to realize um, some of the risks that I'm taking. So I'm not as risk averse. Um, I think you have to take these risks and they need to be calculated and you need to be well thought out. I'm a lawyer by trade. Um, so I think through pros and cons of everything, but you got to figure out, okay, what's the risk worth taking and what's the potential bang for your buck? That means you've got a, a, a president that's willing to let you fail. Yeah. Um, not all the time, right. Um, but willing to let you kind of make some mistakes and, and try some things and try some things to get better. And that doesn't mean everything works, um, but you need to try. I think with NIL, I mean, I think you're right. 
I think so much of what we're turning into has got to be, okay, how can I help you build your brand and elevate you? We talk about educate, empower, protect. Um, those are kind of our three core tenants with NIL. That empower piece, how we build your brand, but we can build your brand that simultaneously helps us with our brand at the same exactly. time. And I think people are at the either or concept of, well, I can only do this for you, but I can do this for me. Well, no, 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 no. Our student athletes, if you look at their following, if you look at their personalities, their personas, they've got so much to offer and they're only here for four or five years. How do we elevate that during those four or five years to really say, okay, all these different stories, all these different backgrounds, all these different personalities are all part of the Washington state mm -hmm. brand, which when you've got that uniqueness and all those different perspectives, I think you draw more interest for people because they want to know more when they see Jane Delora is our quarterback running on the field with pink stripe through his hair and tattoos. They want to know, okay, what are those tattoos? Why is that pink stripe the way it is? What's his background? How do you end up in Washington state? What's his story? To me, that helps us Washington state increase interest. You talk about fans and some are not coming anymore and vice versa. You can fix that problem and also help the NIL deal at the same time, if you're smart about it. But that means doing things differently than we've ever done them before. And I think you've got some ADs that say, Hey, I, I may only be here four or five years. I'm not sure I want to take these risks that may prevent me from getting the next job or, or retiring successful. And that's just the truth of the matter. Um, and you got others that maybe like me or maybe, um, hopefully future agents that are maybe too young and dumb, um, to know what they want to into. Um, but I, I think trying it that way is a whole lot more fun, um, than just copy paste or do what we've always done. That's me personally. Probably. Well, one more question on this. And then I want to spend kind of the last 10 minutes talking about leadership. I thought we were maybe going to spend most of the time talking about leadership, but this, this is too much good stuff. Um, so what are some, speaking of, of risks, I mean, what are some of the risks that you can, that you feel good about disclosing, knowing that none of these are, none of these things we're about to talk about are for sure being considered. They're, they're more interesting things that you guys are mulling about. What are some of those interesting things you're talking about? I know recur is in the space now talking about NFTs and the metaverse. What are some more of those interesting things that you guys are exploring right now where you're like, we've never done this before. It's definitely a risk. Who knows if it's going to pay off? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's like some blocking and tackling stuff that we've traditionally done that you can make minor changes to, whether it be concessions yeah. or alcohol sales or those kind of things that I, I think large scale changes. I mean, I think the world of digital, you talk about the metaverse. I, I didn't know anything about metaverse until like four weeks ago. One of my buddies that's in digital media mentioned it to me and I'm like, Whoa, what is this? I'm just getting used to TikTok, yeah. right? Like, so <laughs> these things are changing rapidly under our feet and traditionally athletic departments haven't been nimble enough. So how do you build a department and a team that's nimble enough to take advantage of all these opportunities? To me, that, that requires a larger scale conversation about how we build and assemble staffs. Um, and I think there's some lessons to be learned from other industries or how we do that, what kind of person we recruit to join our organization. Uh, we talked about fit a little bit a while back, maybe those skill sets actually look a little bit different uh, for the, this next generation of employees we bring yeah. in. So. When wh whatever it is that that's new in this world that's rapidly changing around us, we're positioned to be the first adopter or positioned more uniquely to take advantage of. That's hard, right? I think a handful of departments around the country have recently looked at their communication staff and looked at their digital staff and tried to morph that. You get a lot of pushback from the traditional types of well, that that old school box SID, and that person has a lot of relationships with media, so it gets really contentious uh, when those kind of things happen, but. I think we don't look at our staffing models in college athletics unrelated to that area, just in general and, and how we assemble things and maybe take a step back and start with what are we trying to do? What do we need? What's the staffing model support that rather than here's the staffing model I've been handed. How do I change that? 
Now that that's easier said than done, right? You don't just take everybody and swap the deck chairs and make it work. Right. Um, but you've got to eventually move towards that place to have a more efficient, more nimble athletic department as a whole, the athletic department of the next century, I view it as. Um, and I think until we start having those kind of conversations, we're going to continue to move at a glacial pace and not keep up with the world around us. I, Brian, we could go, we could do a whole podcast on this one. I, I love where you're going <laughs> with it. I mean, we look at it always when well, we, we get into an organization with our Disney background. I mean, there were, there were so many things that we used to do at Disney from a structure and organizational design perspective that really set us up for success or failure, depending on how we structured it. I mean, one of the things that we always did that this would, this would be, well, I was going to say it would seem, it would be blasphemous to do in college athletics, but even at the kind of middle management director role, I mean, we would rotate people every two years just to kind of mix them up. And, and you would say, well, what is that person doing leading textiles? Or they've never led a laundry facility in their life. They've been in cruise line before. They've been in the theme park. What do they know about running a laundry facility? And it's like, well, at the end of the day, they're a good leader. They'll surround themselves with smart people that know how to do the X's and O's. And we'll bring new faces in all the time. And that was part of the culture because you constantly had to create new ideas. So it's something I think hopefully athletics gets a little bit more refresher on. Go ahead. It, it really is mind blowing, right? I mean, we treat some of this stuff like it's rocket science. Like if you're a good leader, you're a good manager, you're smart enough to do a certain level of task and lead yeah. people. Then for you to switch over from communications to student athlete development, it really isn't that much of a stretch. And the higher you move up the word organization, you really realize it's less about expertise and it's more about managing people successfully and pushing them to be the best versions of themselves. So when you think about it in those terms, it's really not that strange. Now, I'm not saying we need to take a cross country coach and have them be our offensive coordinator. Like yeah, that, that's not totally what I'm different. Saying. But I think the staff that supports our student athletes and our coaches has the ability to look a lot different. And I think if we did that too, we'd stop losing as many people as we are to other industries or other employers, because they only view this one vertical track to get to where they want to. I think from a professional development end, from a staff retention, I talked to a buddy just took a job at Amazon. And one of the key selling points for him was exactly what you just talked about, that ability to rotate mm -hmm. after two or three years and take on new responsibilities because he likes to learn, he likes to grow, he likes new challenges. And after two years in most jobs, he's bored. Well, now he gets yeah. this opportunity to keep on growing. I, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I'm built the same. And so you can retain those type of people, giving them new challenges, but you keep that institutional knowledge. You keep those core values and keep that fit. So let's say, well, we, uh, on that note, we just posted. So every, every Friday in our newsletter, we post, uh, a number of like different links and content that was inspiring our team throughout the week. And two of the articles this week were about kind of restructuring what your, that employee experience looks like to be able to retain top talent. And it's exactly what you're talking about. I think as a whole, as a whole industry, we need to be taking a look at that structure and what that looks like. So I, I love that you brought that up. Well, we barely talked about any leadership stuff, although I guess a lot of this is, is kind <laughs> of uh, tied into that. But I, I do want to ask you this. I mean, when we think about different viewpoints as a leader, what's one of the more unusual leadership practices that you love? Yeah, I mean, I, I put so much emphasis on hiring, probably as much more than anybody I've ever been around. Um, just as I feel like one of, if not the most important thing we do as leaders is recruit, retain, and identify talent um, to bring it to organization. Because I think if you have that, some of the other pieces of it become a lot easier. I mean, we talked a little bit offline of all the different areas and direct reports I have, but the truth be told, 
I've got a, a huge chunk of those that are really talented, really bought in and push me to be a better leader. And I'm just figuring out ways, okay, how can I help him or her be a better version of themselves based on some of the knowledge I may have that they don't have or some of the conversations I'm in, they're not in. I'm going to set them up for success and also help try to be ahead of the curve to retain them. Um, I think walking, leading by walking um, is underrated. Absolutely. Um, And I think this past year and the past, well, I guess almost past two years, um, has really shown us that of not having the ability to pop in on people, not having the ability to stop by or just walk through the apartment. Because I think you pick up so much about the culture, the vibe, the, 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 where is everybody at? Also the personal touch of asking about your kids, asking what you do this weekend. Some of those kind of things, you lost all that. Um, we were going strictly to Zoom and it had to be pre-set up, um, arranged conversation. And I think getting that back to me, it's probably been the best part about getting back into the office and having those face-to-face interactions and picking that up because it's really hard to lead when you don't have a firm understanding or a feel for what's in the department. You don't even know what questions to ask right. um, in, in so many ways because you're, you're just blinded um, by what's going on. So I, I do all the traditional, you read, you set really good expectations, you, you set certain means and, and evaluation mechanisms up. Um, but to me, nothing beats being able to walk around the department, have those conversations uh, with staff and really get to the bottom of what drives them or what's exciting them about the day. And then taking all that feedback back and then sitting at my desk and saying, okay, I heard this, this, and this. How do I bring all that together to make this department better? Uh, I love it. It's, a, it's such a good point. I mean, when we th- talk about leadership walking around, I mean, we, we've had a couple of le- great leaders come on here and talk about that concept. One in particular that I think of is Dan Cockrell, who is the former head of Magic Kingdom. And that's one thing that he would carve out specific time on the calendar to walk around and interact with people and just talk with them. Because I, I think when it comes to building trust, trust is what encourages people to run through walls for you. They trust that as a leader, you've got their back. And the only way to build trust is you got to have both professional and that personal trust to really get them to drive to the next thing. And that's hard to do over Zoom, but... Here we, here we are. And the pandemic taught us that. Yeah. The pandemic taught us, I mean, trust was broken. I mean, you, you were, leaders were given answers and they have to change their answer the 20 minutes after they sent their last email or made that last statement because the world was changing around us and we got new news by the yeah. day. Um, and then I think too, from a trust standpoint, I mean, we were a department where to do furloughs, where to do some other things. There's some departments and employees that were hurt by that. I mean, we've got to rebuild that trust and that's a long process that didn't happen overnight. I mean, you, you gain trust. Um, pretty quickly, but you lose it even quicker. Yeah. Um, and I think for us that that process is ongoing. So we kind of rebuild. Beautiful. Well, Hey, as we come up on our time, uh, we're giving you a billboard, a hypothetical billboard. You can put one piece of advice on it. What are you giving to our listeners? Yeah, I, to me, the secret to happiness is serving people and gratitude. And I think if you focus on those two things of daily reminding yourself, what are you happy about? What are you happy that you have in your life that maybe five years ago was a prayer of yours or a dream of yours to be involved in a certain conversation or situation? Um, and focus on helping people be the best version of themselves. How can I help David? How can I help Katie? How can I help whoever it is I'm interacting with be better than they were the day before? And if I do those two things, that to me equals happiness. Um, and if you're happy, I think you're living a pretty well-fulfilled life. It's a great way to end this. Brian, it has been a pleasure we, we probably could do a part two and part three based on how this conversation <laughs> went. So uh, hope to talk to you soon. And it's been great having you on the show. Absolutely. Thank you all for having yeah. me. Anybody listening, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.
Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.